0: hello and welcome to this edition of the get your film fix podcast i'm jeremy fisk this week i am joined by chapin hemingway and lee carlo for a just effing watch it edition of the get your film fix podcast now the effing
1: there stands for anything you want really okay
0: yeah we don't let you know leave something up to the imagination Uh, So this is a segment that we had uh, back in the original podcast. It's basically an attempt for us to sort of see some blind spots uh, in our cinematic knowledge. Uh, that none of us have seen. We all kind of consider ourselves cinephiles to an extent. I mean, we do a uh, a film podcast, and surprisingly, even between the three of us, there are some movies that we know we should watch, but we just haven't effing watched them. This week, we're going to be checking out Howard Hawks's Rio Bravo, a 1959 western starring the great John Wayne and dean martin
1: am i correct in uh, saying this is john wayne's only western
0: it, you might <laughs> you might be incorrect there might be some more effing watch uh for you tape. okay but we'll probably touch on those in this review Uh, of Rio Bravo so and then we're gonna do to keep the uh, 2019 uh, film year rolling to keep the fixie momentum we're gonna do our top five worst movie moments of 2019 there'll never be another like Rio Bravo with its thundering story of raw courage against overwhelming odds and its once-in-a-lifetime combination of today's hottest star names.
2: You've seen nothing like them together and here at Rio Bravo, nothing can tear them apart. Not even a thank you do I Maybe
0: you're right, Stumpy. Huh? You're a treasure.
2: Well, <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without you. Well, <laughs> I... You're tired, aren't you, John T? I can fix you a
1: nice hot bath.
2: All I want is a drink.
1: Then, uh, this is all I can do for you? I told him you were one of the best. I'll tell you what I'm a lot better at, Mr. Wheeler. That's minding my own business. No offense, Sheriff. Where are you going? Get your hands off.
2: I said, where are you going?
1: You got no use for a man you can't depend on. One bad night and I'm done for. All
0: right. So the reason, or one of the reasons we chose Rio Bravo, other than the reason, other than the fact that all three of us have not seen it, is it's acclaimed a to be one of the best movies, one of the best westerns of all time. It's on the AFI. Top top one hundred. Um, it's often referenced by other filmmakers, by Quentin Tarantino as huge inspiration to a lot of his films, and you can you can certainly see that here. Um, so the fact that we we all hadn't seen it, and it's a, a revered director, uh, how as Howard Hawks, um, you know, we decided, hey, we we should definitely put this on our list. So. And then, Chabin, you came across a little thing about uh, Rio Bravo and how it was made as sort of a response um, to uh, – fuck, what's the movie? Why am I losing High movie? Noon. High Noon. High Noon. Thank you. Uh, as it was a response to uh, Gary Cooper's High Noon. And the reason being is like John Wayne and Howard Hawks both thought that High Noon was uh, un-American, that that a sheriff would never have to beg and plead his townspeople to help him out. As So in High Noon, basically, uh, Gary Cooper goes to all the townspeople and he says, I need help here, and they all um, basically tell him no because they, they want... To save themselves, and uh, uh, Wayne and Hawks thought, "Well, that's just super un-American, and that um, the towns that that a sheriff would never need to do something like that. That people would want to volunteer. The only thing a sheriff would need to do is basically get your qualifications, and you'd want to help them out."
1: Right. I Um, think specifically they were they were critical of the um, I think that's Gary Cooper character, right? Who. Right, and then once Gary Cooper was sort of does, begging for help. Oh can my, can my wife help me? Oh. Pathetic.
0: Yeah, there was part that was part of it, partly
1: it, but also I think they said it I, like that.
0: I think a lot of it had to do with the townspeople themselves and the fact that everyone was was looking out for themselves and was, was frankly afraid and didn't want to, you know, put themselves in, in bodily injury or death uh, to save this sheriff.
1: Right. And uh, of course, so, High Noon was, you know, famously at uh, a sort of uh,
0: McCarthy era, right. uh, you know, so that came out of that. And uh, John Wayne being the ultra, you know, American conservative thought, well, there's no way that would ever happen that way in America. So uh, Rio Bravo is basically a, a response to that where you have a sheriff who locks up a dangerous criminal and he needs to keep him in the jail till the marshal gets there. And the whole, the whole film is about trying to keep him locked up while uh, his posse comes back to try to save him. And you have an array of deputy sheriffs and townspeople uh, trying to help him. So my question to you guys is, the motivation in High Noon of self-preservation sort of lends uh, a depth to to that film whereas here it's it's you know it's just a they're just gonna they're just gonna help them there's no sort of uh, self-preservation they're just happy to do it even Dean Martin's character who is an alcoholic and is battling uh, you know the shakes and basically trying to put himself through rehab while he does this uh, never really second guesses what this mission is and do you find that lack of motivation uh, a detriment to this movie or do you think it works on that level um you know as it is and we don't need that sort of secondary self-preservation motivation for john wayne's character uh to to do what he thinks is right
1: it certainly makes for a much different movie right like i feel like high noon is a lot more serious and um you know maybe deals with a little bit more um you know of the human condition i don't know that i think rio bravo is probably more fun it's been a long time since i think any of us have seen high noon um we watched it in film school, Jeremy. I think you owned a copy of it that I borrowed from you, which was fantastic. Um, and I remember yeah, I liking love high it needed. a lot, and I know you do as well. But you know, this movie is much different. The tone is much different. You've got that yokel character, Stumpy, um, who provides some you know quote unquote comic relief, and you never really get the sense that you know John Wayne is taking himself too seriously, whereas. Gary Cooper in High Noon was, you know, sweating bullets, and you're cutting back to the um, the clock the whole time, which was such a famous device, um, made uh, sort of made famous by that film. And so this film feels sort of less serious in that sense, as so of the tone is sort of just completely different. Um, yeah, there's
0: definitely more of a sense of urgency in High Noon yeah. than there is in Rio Bravo, which, again, that's sort of the same question like without that sense of urgency do we care as much without the question of people wanting to stick their neck out for somebody else do we care as much
2: i listened to uh and well it wasn't really an interview but it was tarantino talking about rio bravo because i was curious what he thought about this movie more specifically i know it's it's been on a lot of his favorite lists of all time and the first thing he said about it, the way he described it, was it being one of the best hangout movies. And, you know, I agree that that's what it is. It is a hangout movie. You are sort of just spending time with these characters. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, that's. You can certainly understand why he's drawn to that. You think about even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino's most re- recent movie could be described in a way as a hangout movie. You're hanging out with Leo and Brad in that movie. And so. I can see that there, and that's certainly different than a movie like High Noon. But then I started to think about whether or not it's one of the best hangout movies. And I was like, okay, well, what would make that be the case? Like, I think I would say the best hangout movie for me is something like Swingers, because I just love all of the characters in that movie. And so I started to question whether or not I love all the characters in this movie. And then I referenced that article you sent me that you sent us, Chapin. Um, and I don't know if it was, I don't know if this is. A quote from John Wayne or Howard Hawks or uh, Emmanuel Levy wrote this article, it was back in 2007, um, but he, he, wrote down, or he wrote that um, Gary Cooper's sheriff in high noon is, is scared and faces severe inner conflict before deciding to face the crisis himself, while John Wayne's sheriff is unwaveringly courageous. Which is well, what is
0: more interesting
2: yeah Cooper is way more interesting. exactly and so that's my that's my problem here is that I I, and with this movie as a whole is that I found there to just be one interesting character in this movie and that was Dean Martin's dude Mm -hmm. that I thought was really interesting and I liked him as an actor a lot in this movie but beyond that I I didn't enjoy hanging around with these characters so hangout movie or not this movie's fatal flaw is the characters they're not well enough developed they're not interesting enough yeah I have I have
0: two part follow-up to that um do you feel like go first of all like in reference to the Tarantino and the reference to this movie being so revered and on the you know top best movies of all time list like going into it knowing all that do you feel a sort of cinematic pressure to yes. understand and like this movie um, definitely and then to the point of the Hangout movie. Like I get it, and there were certain scenes I really enjoyed with that, like the scene where they're all hanging around singing. I like it. It, it you liked sort that of re- scene. I did. It sort of reminded me a little bit of of Jaws. Um, I, oh. I I thought that worked really well, and we can argue over that one scene or not, but I think in general we have the same.
2: You know what I thought, thought of that process?
0: Scene?
2: I was like, this is the movie like plugging Dean Martin and Ricky Nelson as like. Cross-platform stars, and every time they cut to John Wayne, I was looking at him like, "Is he? Yeah, just he's not thinking, even like, can we get back to the Western now?
0: Like... He's not even singing it." <laughs> yeah. I, so I, whatever, I, I didn't mind that scene, but, um, <clears throat> but going back to my first question, like, w- like, how do you, how do you guys reconcile that, uh, that sort of cinematic expectation compared to where you land with the movie, and. Did you land around the same place as your expectation going going in?
1: I was definitely surprised by how sort of small the movie was. I you know given what we said about Rio Bravo and um, just the name with you know Rio and a river, I thought there was going to be some you know I maybe a river, yeah maybe a river. Um, (laughs) I went to go I went to see um, a thirty five millimeter print of The Searchers a couple months ago, and and what? I said great and you know I was a little surprised you know that movie is very epic it's got that widescreen look it's got you know they're they're traveling all over the place they're outside and this movie is very contained within this sort of one little town and they never go out of it and they're never really going anywhere except for um, the opening credits which shows the um, Colorado's uh, wagon train coming into town and I actually kind of like that like it was um it was cool to see you know how they made this town interesting and I, I love like I love the sets and I love just the feeling of a small town and how everybody knows each other. and when you throw a sort of a, a bad element into it in the form of the, um, the bad guy, you you get you know this, this, this sort of upset and how all the different townsfolk react to it. and um, <clears throat> so I, that was a, a surprise, but in a good way. And um, yeah, I like that. I, I, I do think that I was expecting a film with the, you know, understanding about Tarantino, you know, being a little bit more significant feeling, um, you know, you the in retrospect, Searchers was a lot sillier than I remembered it, but you still see all the iconic shots and, <clears throat> you know, the importance of all that film has on cinema history and Rio Bravo doesn't really have any of that stuff, but that doesn't mean it was any less enjoyable. In fact, I enjoyed watching it a lot more than The Searchers.
0: Hmm, interesting. It, yeah, I certainly agree with you that it felt small to me. Like, I even noted, like, it must have been an easy shoot because yeah. basically they never moved off this one street in this one town that they built. Um, so it definitely, there was a microscopic element to this film that I felt like hurt the movie. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't a good, good thing. It definitely distracted me. I wanted to see, I wanted this movie to expand, but it never really did.
2: That So on that point, exactly. And, and again, I liked the, the contained nature of this movie too, but... In in with that point about like waiting for this movie to expand, another way to put that is like every time this movie, I felt like this movie started gaining momentum, it stopped. So you have a scene where um, the bad guys, the the Burdette gang, uh, is able to sneak some guns into the town. Or most throughout most of the movie, they kind of collect everybody's guns so that nobody can you know go to the jail and 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 release this prisoner and like three or four i can't remember of these bad guys sneak their guns past the guard they they knock out dude and sneak in and then they they hold they hold their guns on john wayne and say you're going to take us to the jail and then colorado ricky nelson's character helps him escape that and they shoot those guys and then that scene just ends and that doesn't escalate to anything else the movie kind of the momentum you got from that scene goes away and then the same thing happens again when uh they after they have uh john wayne fall down the stairs they tie him up they take him to the jail they say you're gonna tell him to release the guy then <laughs> Where stumpy he instantly just gets him. knocked out yeah <laughs> yeah but then they take him and stumpy just shoots those guys and that scene ends and then even Finally, the climatic scene at the end. I get. I get it. Eventually, the movie needs to end. But they start blowing up the cabin with the dynamite, and then the bad guys just come out and say, "Okay, we've had enough." And then the movie's <laughs> over. I was like, this movie just like kept trying to have like those scenes to build this movie, and then they just stopped. Yeah, I'm I like, mean, Ugh, come on, I, you're all you're getting there, but.
0: I agree. And I guess where I wanted to go with my opening is, is I get to use the word, is like the stakes of, of High Noon compared to the stakes of this. And I know it's supposed to be a little bit more jovial, but I don't know how much that was intended, you know, because there are scenes where, um, what's her name, Angie Dickinson's character is, you know...
2: Who I was totally Uh, into in this movie.
0: Yeah, well, she's also half of John Wayne's age, so we can get to that awkwardness too. (laughs) Um, But that she's like, you know, there's there's really sort of serious dramatic scenes for her, and really serious dramatic scenes for Dean Martin and his alcoholism. So I don't know if this movie knew where it wanted to be tonally. I think it wanted there to be bigger stakes than it was able to to show because it didn't have what what high noon had it didn't have the character in turmoil it didn't have others who had to make sort of decisions around it um it like you said the scenes would start and the scenes would end i was never really worried uh about how this was gonna how this was gonna end no and and I think tonally, like I, I think you can be done this way. Like I, I think of a, a movie like *The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance*, who I, which I think is a great, great western, um, also with with John Wayne. Uh, that tonally is is relatively similar to this movie, but um, it it the stakes worked in that film, and they the relationship between Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne and the, what they had, like the the. There was a the truth between the two, you know, made a difference to that movie. Whereas here, I I don't know where any of this really, why it all really worked.
2: Yeah, that's it, and it's it was doing it to itself. And like I think the reason I had such a hard time with these scenes, like starting and then stopping, and the reason I brought up the end so much is because, like, all every time you had these, you know, action scenes for lack of a better description. You were waiting for the bad guys to, to do something. Like they never really posed a threat. You were never worried about them. And then even you have this scene where they're they're exchanging prisoners and, and Dean Martin is walking back to John Wayne and and, and Burdett's walking back to his guys, and you just feel like I mean, this is gonna end the way we want it to. Like you just didn't feel like You know, you said it. The stakes were there. You just were never really worried that the good guys were not going to face any real trouble.
0: Yeah, it came to the point where I wanted Dean Martin to have a drink.
2: I mean, he he was the best character in this movie. I really liked his character, and I really thought he was great in it.
1: I want to go that back to the, the old part. West where, like, a beer doesn't count as a drink, evidently. Yeah, yeah, have It's like medicine to fight your hangover. And if it doesn't work, it just uh, had yeah. a beer. And it he's literally work.
2: going through withdrawals and he's like, a beer didn't help. the
1: only reason to drink beer is to help you go through withdrawals or you're trying to get off the sauce
2: off of, off of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, they really had it great back then.
0: Really had it good.
2: Um, it, I heard uh, I heard John Carpenter talking about this movie as well, which was which was particularly interesting because during this movie there was a moment when they t- were talking about hey why didn't we think of this before let's just batten down the hatches and just wait in the jail until the marshal arrives and I was like this could be a really cool like assault on precinct thirteen type of finale and then that didn't happen but it it's just it's so obvious why i think some of these directors find this movie influential but i why? am a little well sur- wait what well john expand carpenter on that. well john carpenter clearly saw something in this movie that you know he he has drawn into some of his like more horror movies and things like that and uh, you know, movies like *Assault on Precinct 13. I think, like I said, I saw the connection there at one brief moment. And Tarantino with the *Hangout* movie. Like I, I can see where these directors look at this movie and say, "This is something that I like. This is something that I want to do." But what I don't see is how this movie is so highly acclaimed. It's fine. Yeah, it doesn't touch some of the best westerns I've seen. Well, well, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, Howard Hawks is not
0: you know definitively known as a western director he's, he's not john ford i mean he's made some westerns he made some but he also is just as known or even more known for his romantic screwball quick ta- his talking girl comedies friday. like yeah his girl friday bringing up baby stuff like that um so do you see do you think that that it, it, the influence of his name on this uh, elevated it or do you think like where, wh- like, do you think that's part of why this is so highly acclaimed of a movie like what are we missing here
2: that's a good question and I knew we'd get to that I mean he Howard Hawks has sort of dabbled in a lot of genres I mean my favorite movie of his one of my favorite movies of all time is Scarface so you have him working in the gangster genre he's done movies like The Big Sleep as well so I, I think right. I think in terms of genre, like we can't put him in a in a in a particular bucket. Yeah, I do think you know him being the director of this movie. You know, John Wayne being in it. Obviously, he's been in a lot of westerns. Uh, Chapin, I know you you didn't uh, yeah. know that. Chapin. Um, but um, what I do th- I I have to imagine I didn't know this, but I have to imagine the idea that this was made in response to High Noon forces people to maybe take some sides i mean i don't know you can like both obviously but like it does add some significance to the movie um hmm. but that doesn't really answer the question like what are we missing like none tabin uh, you seem to like it um i'd liked it fine i just am surprised at how highly acclaimed it is
1: <clears throat> did you have you guys seen his girl friday
2: yes yeah
1: Yeah, Yeah, I really liked that movie when I saw it. I just think, you know, maybe he's just a different... I mean, I'm looking at some of his um, filmography right now, and, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of... There's, you know, westerns, there's war films, there's these screwball comedies and a lot of different stuff. seems like, you know, he's a kind of director who you know maybe it was a little bit of a journeyman which is which is fine and we've we've talked about directors well, I think that's like great. that, yeah. yeah and 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 maybe that means he's not going to make the definitive western which is also fine and you know he's going to make a conservative response to high noon which you know good on you yeah, but wouldn't
2: you wouldn't you say that he maybe has like a top five movie in every genre he has a top five gangster movie he's got a top five screwball comedy he's got a top five western i mean he's got a top five uh detective movie in the big sleep like so while he may be a journeyman he's not you know we talked about journeyman director like uh um
1: he directed gentlemen prefer blondes
2: uh, james mangold um but not you know, Howard Hawks has some of the most famous movies of all time on on his resume. I, I don't know. I I we're circling cool. this question. I
0: well, here's the thing, and it's not like we're. Where would you, you know, guys
2: rank this among your all time favorite westerns? It wouldn't be that high, and that's what I was 50th? about to say. Is yeah, it's <laughs> like I
0: love this genre, and in some of those classic ones that we've talked about, you know, um, you know, Stagecoach, High Noon, the Spaghetti Westerns, uh, other John Ford's True Grit, um, you know, Man and Child, Liberty Valance, all these movies. I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch that I love. Uh, you know the other ones that are considered my darling Clementine the other ones that are considered the classics unforgiven i mean those are some of my favorite movies so i i feel like i i was coming into this movie being like okay so here's a classic western i haven't yeah, seen yeah fully
2: qualified to rank this yeah
0: exactly i'm ready i'm ready for this and it just didn't it didn't work on on that level um and uh i mean i think we sort of pinpointed why I think that word stakes again is is a big part of it. Um, I also wanna blame the relationship between Angie Dickinson's character and John Wayne's character. Every time they were on screen together it felt awkward. It was a little awkward
2: but I didn't have a hard time with that. I was okay with it. I mean I I, just liked when Angie Dickinson was on screen, I have to be honest. Yeah
0: no she's sort of falling for very attractive still alive by the way, so still got a chancellor.
2: I was yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh and John Wayne himself I, you know there are moments in it where you're just like he is acting like uh, he, he was a
2: caricature of himself in this like
0: a little bit
1: yeah and wait, he's wh- like he's uh, a, when is he not like that
2: well i guess he is but i just felt like he was in full john wayne mode like like all i could every time he spoke all i could hear was was joker from full metal jacket imitating him like it it just felt like he was like the strut was amplified the 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 drawl was amplified like and i know he's sort of always like that but maybe it's because his character didn't have much to it so that's all i could pay attention to yeah i mean i think about him in the searchers i i think he's a much more Nuanced and interesting and layered character in that movie, and so you're thinking about those things. You're thinking about the decisions he's making here. I mean, the whole that article you sent us, the whole point of him is that he has no decisions to make other than how good are you at shooting a gun? Like he's just unwaveringly uh, courageous, is how which they is boring, it. right? It's super like that's boring. The yeah, boring. And that, and so I, all I could focus this, on was just him being John Wayne in this. If this movie was made today
0: where would it like it came out I, I don't even think it would register as as a top movie of the year well who knows
2: all right i mean let's, it's hard to try tell. this let's try this take this out of the western setting i know it gets ranked as a top western but take this out of the western setting and, and let's talk about it it's, as a hangout movie like let's compare this to something like swingers or compare this to, like just movies about you know Characters that have to spend a lot of time together, and then we have to spend a lot of time with them, and why those types of movies work. Because those movies don't. All, I mean, we don't know what we don't really know a lot about Trent and Swingers. We don't really know much about about Sue. You know, we learn about we uh, learn about parents are a big Johnny Cash. Fan. John, yeah, we learn about John Favreau. It's, he's and, from Orange County. We you know he's
1: from Anaheim. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we I learned love about that John we're comparing Favreau. swingers
0: to Rio
2: Bravo. Okay, but I, I think I have a point here, and I think this is maybe will get us to something. Dean Martin in this movie is the one character with layers. We learn that he's an alcoholic. He's trying to get past that, but we also know that he is, can be very good at his job when he's when he's sober. Um, so he's dealing with demons. Favreau and, and Swingers is the one we learn a lot about. He's he's trying to get over this relationship. He's trying to make it in L.A. And he's got people around him that we don't know quite as much about, but they seem to be supportive. So why do we like hanging out with the guys in Swingers so much more than we like hanging out with the guys in this? I like hanging out with these guys. Okay. So, as, so where does this fall for you, Chapman? I mean, like—
0: well, I think I think also it should be noted that there <laughs> is a clear relationship between Dean Martin and John Wayne that that is previous to what we see on
1: yeah. screen.
2: Yeah. I mean, they talk about it a little bit. I, I'm, but Jake, where would this rank in your westerns or just movies in general? Like how
1: I, I mean, I I'm sort of thinking do You that, understand the acclaim? This is the anti version of is it how the what, what's the movie um one, is it Once Upon a Time in the West that opens with that long... Yes. ...train... Yes. You know, All
2: the spaghetti yeah, westerns, right. yeah.
1: And and we, you know, I think when we were in film school, we were like, you know, jerking off to that scene, like, oh, it's so amazing. But it's also, I still like, do. Totally super still do. slow and boring in some Wrong. respects. <laughs> Jeremy's like know. just you're gonna get, over get and, no
2: you're gonna get no support. I know. you here guys love those spaghetti and...
1: westerns. That's fine, but that, I think that's it's. I mean, I'm with uh,
0: this was also a decade earlier. This movie was. Made. It was.
1: I, I'm with uh, Rick Dalton, where I think it's silly that they dub in their own languages, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> and what else? What else, So I I I like that this is a little lighter and moves a little faster, and is just so it like in love with its own, you know mysteriousness and mythology and you know like look it's not good I, I, I it's not unforgiven it doesn't deal with like serious subjects which is which is fine you know not every western has to do that um i think if you went back and you watched them how when was the last time you guys saw the searchers for example
2: uh that one's been a while so
1: that movie is surprisingly silly if you go back and look at it there's all that stuff with i forget that actress's name but where she was, Wood, yeah Katherine Ross? Yeah, I think Catherine Ross. Yeah, where she's like wanting the guy to stay, you know, she's all mad that he's leaving again, and you know, it, there's all this sort of silly, you know, screwball stuff in that one as well. But you know, you just don't, you just remember it for the iconic, you know, framing of John Wayne. Sorry, the, Natalie
2: Wood, not not Catherine Ross. Well, there's That's two. There's
1: said. two. Yeah, there's two women who play a pretty important role in that movie. So, like again, I, I'm not. Uh, if you look at, I'm looking at Tarantino's lists and there's a, you know, like Carrie's on there. I mean, you and I watched Carrie Lee uh, with Brantley yeah. like last Halloween and neither of us were big fans of that film. And um, I mean, look, like I, it's like, if you look at this stuff. But he
2: also has Good and the Bad and the Ugly on like what one of his 50 best of the ever lists. Yeah. So like, it's interesting to find sort of that, diversity in westerns that i mean isn't not that that you can't movie like silly
1: too it's been a while since i've seen it but once um good bad and the ugly yeah with uh you know what's his name eli uh whatever his name is kind of no well yeah I mean, he's
2: a little bit but i mean that's a i wouldn't describe that as a silly movie yeah it's eli, not blazing eli, saddles eli walk <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, that's a funny movie that's one of the most racist movies ever
1: but isn't that the point? Yes,
2: a hundred percent.
1: So I again, um, again, like I, I guess I don't know. I, I, feel like I know where you guys are coming from, and I feel like I've come into a lot of these podcasts being like, you know, where does where do these films stand in the pa- in the pantheon of, of of great filmmaking, and what are these films trying to say? And I don't know why, whatever mood I was in on Saturday night when I watched this, because. I can't drink or have anything fun to eat, so I'm just staying home on Saturday nights watching fucking Rio Bravo by myself. Uh, I was totally sounds o- great. <laughs> I was yeah, totally okay so with.
2: I didn't even love this movie, and that still sounds okay. Yeah,
1: I was totally okay with, um, you know, th- with the film. I, but you're right; like, there's not, I, you know, there's nothing significant happening. But it's fun to see, kind of like, it's fun to go back and like both sort of put yourself in. Um, the mindset of kind of you know post Civil War, I guess this was supposed to be Texas, right? Although it was shot in Arizona, yeah. um, and then also sort of the 1959 in t- interpretation of, of that. And you know you've got the crooners, the you've got like the the harp throb and Walter uh, and not Walter Brennan and Ricky Nelson, and you know the crooner and Dean Martin and how those guys how they have to squeeze that singing song in, and it's it's yeah. funny, um, and yeah I
2: would say this like I would I, it's a hundred percent uh my opinions for this movie are factoring in some disappointment I mean like I have to be honest like I looked at this I was like this is on all these top western lists I love westerns I'm looking at it, it's two hours and twenty one minutes long you know a long movie but typically with a western I'm sort of okay with that because like we've talked about I think you know maybe a sprawling epic movie with just like a lot of things that I can be focusing on and just finding this to be a small movie about characters that I didn't particularly get behind was really disappointing um, so I, you know that has to factor in for sure
0: and I, I think part of it is if you do f- some for some reason or, or if, like it works for you to fall for these characters camaraderie like for, I think for us that it just the connection wasn't there but i you know i can see how somebody would just every time old stumpy's on the, on the screen yeah
1: like get it yeah. get a you know
0: get a kick out of that and
1: but the, yeah so it, what's it, weird like is that if, is that hawks is sort of was sort of known for the kind of fast-talking wit you know witty women roles although you know he didn't yeah. write them but he and this film is written by a, or co-written by a woman lee brackett
2: yeah, Lee Brackett, who's yeah. got an impressive career. Absolutely. Um. Okay, I mean, I'm you so, know I'm, not, gonna, I'm I mean, not I'm not
1: I'm not going to go to my grave defending this film, but I I had a good time watching it. I thought it moved along well. I, I looked at, at the fucking running time, and I was like, oh god, it's an hour and twenty. It's two hours yeah. and twenty minutes. High like, noon
2: is eighty five minutes. There you so go. Vic- victory high noon. Perfect.
1: But still, <laughs> I mean, you know, I th- thought it moved along at a pretty good clip and um yeah I, I I love I love westerns and and um I, I'm not as big a fan of the spaghetti westerns as you guys are um it's too bad but you know
2: cinematic jerk off material mm. it, it definitely is I don't know what's wrong with you Jake for someone who loves the director and cinematography and like come on <sighs> they didn't the even have scripts the They just man. said it's the, it's say what you want uh, you get crazy. over that. All right. Who cares what they're who cares what they're saying in those movies? Yeah,
1: good point. Good point. Yeah.
2: Although although I, I Good Bad and the Ugly is an amazing movie, story and everything. So
1: let's all right. There's, well, so there's our
2: of the West.
0: There's our review of A Rio Bravo. Um, I did want to bring up real quick. Do you guys know anything that's happening February eighth? Uh,
2: well, I'm booked.
0: What do you got do you have something going on then?
2: I do. I'm in the morning. First thing. I'm picking up my suit at the cleaners. It'll finally be Jesus, ready. Jesus, what has happened <laughs> wow. to that suit? I have been
1: every voice you have
2: ever heard inside your head. <laughs>
0: So we're going to record the Fixies on February 8th and uh, hopefully it'll be out relatively I think goal, soon after. the goal as long that, as I don't
1: get too drunk is that to get them out get that out at least one of the episodes out that day.
0: Yeah, yeah we're it'll be broken two parts. up into two parts. So um, so the Fixies is about the best of the year, the definitive sort of list performances cinematography yada 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 of the best of the year but we thought we'd take a little time and give our top five worst movie moments of 2019 and we kept this pretty open-ended this could be really anything it could be performances it could be a line it could be uh the set design it could be the cinematography it could be mine, certain mine scenes, are none of that so i'm
1: excited or yeah that. it Interesting.
2: I'm all all over the place. Yeah.
0: Great. So it could be anything that really just irked you in 2019 that just didn't work for you in 2019. So with that open-endedness, Lee, why don't you go first? Your number five.
2: All right. My number five. um, Turns out it's a it's a it's a series of moments, but you'll understand what I'm getting at. And it's it's the it's every moment that a Beatles song began in yesterday. (laughs) And how they managed to just ruin those songs. And I should ruin maybe strong, but they just managed to not make those as impactful or as entertaining as Beatles songs usually are. Um, That movie as a whole was pretty disappointing. If you'll remember, it was on my original top five most anticipated movies of the year. I was excited to see what Danny Boyle could do with that. It turned out Danny Boyle did nothing with that. Uh, and they couldn't even get the Beatles songs right. So that was that. That was several moments throughout that movie where I felt like maybe I can at least listen to a Beatles song and I couldn't enjoy it. That's a great
0: pick. I totally, I mean, that movie was you wiped from my memory. Existed. Yeah, yeah really. I, I totally
1: forgot we
2: saw it this you, year. You, and you fell over, got knocked out, and woke up and suddenly yesterday yeah. didn't exist. Yeah, if
1: we were only all so lucky.
2: All right, Chapin, what do you got?
1: Um, okay, so my number five, I just did kind of like trends and certain disappointments. There nothing specific, no, you know, single, no cinematography, no category like that. Um, but my, uh, so my number five is just just the award domination of Judy in the best actress category for Renee Zellweger. To be Your fair, you have None of not seen this. seen this movie. No, 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 but that doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. You just know It doesn't sometimes. matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, to me, this is exactly what's wrong with um, it just it it defines it's an example of what's wrong with um, the award show and the award season in general it's just that for some reason somebody decided this was going to be the dominant film or the dominant performance I don't know anybody who's talking about it I don't know anybody who's actually seen Judy Um, and now everybody is giving her the award and 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 look I I don't it's no slight against Renee Zellweger I thought she was great at her heyday in the you know the early two thousands, and Jerry um, Maguire, Jerry Maguire, yeah, I, Bridget fine. Jones, she's yeah, fine I mean, in that. Um, and, but like, I, not really. I don't. I don't think anybody asked for a Renee Zellweger comeback. Her speech at the at the Golden Globes was like, oh, where you know, gosh, she's just been shitting on me for twenty years. Like, no one yeah, cares. Here I
0: am. Yeah. yeah.
1: God. Like, I mean, um, here here's what's left of my face. Yeah. And and honestly, like, there were. I don't again, I'm not going to spoil anything with the Fixies but there were so many there were other really powerful female performances this year and I think it's just regressive going back to this actress who I think is great. But um, I don't know that this is a good film or I mean I assume the performance is, has some um, substance to it, but you know it just it just seems to be the exact wrong w- direction for everybody to go and I'm, I'm disappointed that it seems like the academy will go that way as well.
2: And not, not to pat myself on the back at all, but I, I have been saying for a long time that there is a ridiculous obsession with biopics, and it's led by the awards and the performances within biopics. Yeah, and I guess I you're right. This it's...
1: this is a biopic about Hollywood, about a Hollywood yeah. starlet, so, yeah, so it's doubly bad.
2: No wonder.
0: Uh, we're all going to see Judy and give her the fixie, so... Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> Uh, all right, my number five is a scene. It's uh, from Marriage Story. It's the scene where Adam Driver's I... character cuts himself.
2: Yeah, when um, they have the visitor to...
0: And they have um, the uh, her name's Martha Kelly, which is one of the weirdest casting choices uh, was of bizarre. any movie this year because she seemed like she was totally in a different film. That whole scene seemed like it was in a different film. Um I I just didn't get it. I mean, like the concept of it's funny. Like, oh, I used to pretend to cut, and he cuts himself pretty bad right in front of her. Like, it's a relatively funny concept, but her acting, the way it was placed in the movie, the tone of it, I I, I thought it was. I, I thought it totally didn't work. So I put it as my number five.
2: Yeah, I thought about that. That was such a weird scene. I mean, I remember on the Marriage Story podcast, I. I I had called one scene the worst of the movie and you brought that up and I corrected myself that was the easily the worst scene of that movie.
1: I, I'm not defending it. I was just was wondering would you ever consider this point of view that maybe she's there as this very awkward person who's injected into their home life all of a sudden and you've got this person observing you and the sort of absurdity of that all you know it's
2: supposed to feel awkward.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean I, I that think may have been
2: the intention but that's it didn't the intention. Work, yeah. Okay. All right, Lee. Um, All right, my number four is also a scene. I'm not. It, it, this would in in most cases be a spoiler, but I don't give a shit because this movie was so bad. <laughs> but it is the moment when you learn that Matthew McConaughey is actually part of a computer game in the movie Serenity. When did you see Serenity? I was on. It was on Prime or something. Jesus and, and Christ. So this this movie. So this stars Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, and it is so bad. I don't know how this movie got greenlit. Like, the script is just so absurd. I can't imagine this in the hands of the most creative, innovative director. Basically, he's, like, living on this island, and he's, like, obsessed with catching this big fish, but it turns out that that's all just part of a computer game, and and he's going rogue within the computer game to kill Anne Hathaway's husband, who is alive with Anne Hathaway but it turns out Matt McConaughey actually died and his son is keeping him alive in this computer game it makes no fucking sense the movie was bad and then this just made it so much worse like it, it, this took it from being a bad movie that you could just be like eh I watched a bad movie to being so absurd I couldn't possibly recommend it to anybody
0: Interesting. So, I didn't even hear I, I didn't even hear this movie until I started like trying to look up uh worst of the years and it came up everywhere. It's like,
1: so when did this movie bad. come
2: out? Cuz it probably Spring. came when. I mean, I have no idea how much money this movie made. It probably did okay because it's got some star no, power. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't good no. because it was so bad.
1: 14 million dollars worldwide.
2: 37 Metascore does not even that's that's too much credit
1: okay my turn yep um another another sort of similar to judy i'm really really disappointed in uh how well the joker has done both um box office wise and with with um in the awards and what i what i don't really understand about this and i guess i haven't seen jojo rabbit so i want to give it its fair due and i will when it comes out to rent next week um and in time for the fixies but this film Joker and uh Jojo Rabbit kind of got middling reviews, you know, they've both got like 50s on on Metacritic. Um, and so I'm really surprised that it's doing so well with the award shows, and it's the most nominated film this year at the Oscars. And I mean, we know what I felt about this movie, I hated it. Um, and I, you know, we we talked about a little bit why we think this is the case, why it's getting so much attention, but um. It's very disappointing. I, I think uh, it feels desperate on the part of these award shows, specifically the Academy. And I'm, I am i don't know. I, I,
2: I, I, I'm going to j- jump ahead real quick. That's my number three okay. the moment when Joker got 11 Oscar nominations. I'm with you. like, I didn't hate it nearly as much as you. I disliked yep. it. Jeremy, I know you liked it more than both of us.
0: Yeah, but, but I still understand. This should be the it. most nominated yeah. movie
2: of the Oscars. That's pathetic. I,
0: I understand where you guys are coming from. I didn't hate the movie, but uh, there's no reason that it should be nominated as much as it is. And I think you're right, Tate. And I think it's partly like it made a billion dollars. We gotta represent
2: it, right? And and, uh, and it, the comic book angle, like it's And there's that. Yep. They they feel like they you know they they got maligned for not nominating the Dark Knight. 10, 12 years ago or whatever that was and then last year they gave every possible Oscar they could to Black Panther a fine movie but not an Oscar movie and now Joker comes around and they can say oh this is a comic book movie but not really let's load it up with Oscar nominations
0: yeah and I I do think as much as we've had we had the discussion I do think there's some irresponsibility on the fact of that this movie's sort of just the subject matter is is sort of this internal rage that ends in such violence. I mean, I think there is something to that just because of the way this movie was presented. uh, I don't think, you know, baseline movies that deal with that subject matter, you know, are uh, like that, but just the fact that this movie made a billion dollars, that everyone saw it, that it was presented this way, um, and I think there is a little bit of irresponsibility on that end, too. That being said, I'm going to go with my number four, which is just specifically Joaquin Phoenix's body in The Joker. Look, I know he can twist his body into weird like pretzel shapes and i saw it in the master and i know that it's disgusting and weird looking but i didn't need the scenes in the joker for it um to know he's a good actor like there's something i i, it, I could just literally picture todd Phillips being like oh you know what you did in the master when you were sort of that, hunched over so and your spine that you said, was that, that is exactly coming
1: out. what happened he wanted to yeah. gain there's, weight there are for the- so
2: many similarities in the joker in the master it's it's frustrated he wanted wait game. do you know that for
0: a fact yes or yes, they, oh yeah. so i'm just yeah. making that up no but you're yeah, like
1: right todd phillips was like and he's like do you, that again the weight and he was like what if he was fat which i mean like come yeah on. makes sense that guy's really gonna be fat in real life that's a good point yeah
0: and and it's like oh I saw that it looked weird and Paul Thomas Anderson is a master I want you to <laughs> yeah, do that right. I want you to do that for me and it's like I didn't need to see that that served no purpose in this movie other than to emulate what he's already done in another movie and it's it's freaky and it's weird and body shouldn't do that so that's it's uh, a great that's point and it's four. such a
2: it's such a specific moment but I really it's such a good point because there's a lot of things about the Joker that. You know, in Chapin, you point out that this is actually what happened. But there's so many things about that movie, and and that character in particular that you're like, he's. and We talked about it. He's drawing. He's not drawing from other movies. He's just taking from Taxi Driver. He's just taking well, from the master. He's just King finding these things that have worked so well in King of Comedy. Just finding these things that have worked so well in the past, and trying to just call them his own. And that's yeah. Obnoxious. Well, there's an
0: age-old debate. Of what's a, sure. an homage and what you, what is stealing and where does the where is the yeah, line? I mean, maybe we and shouldn't it get be, into that today, but yeah, and it could be just like the definition of porn is like you know I know it when I see it sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, because it's hard to actually say, but yeah, uh, I can see that argument for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, all
2: right, Lee, you're uh, up. I, I with, said my number three. Joker so number f- Oscar nomination. So Chapin.
1: Okay, uh, my number three is. Um, the fact that seven of the top ten movies of this year were released by Disney. Um, and I want to read you guys a little bit of something here. Uh, I What I did was I went back and I looked. We've talked so much about 1999, 20 years ago. And I just want to compare for you guys the top ten of this year compared to last year. So the to, or, or to Are you talking about box office? box office? Box office. I'm sorry. Box office numbers. Yeah. So you've got... Uh, for the top 10 this year Avengers Endgame a sequel uh, part of a a long standing running line of movies The Lion King a remake of a movie from 1994 Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker uh, a sequel and a um, continuation of a long trilogy Frozen 2 a sequel Toy Story 4 Captain Marvel Spider-Man Far From Home Aladdin another remake Joker which may be the most original film at least um, conceptually on here and then uh, Jumanji the next level so only two
2: movies that aren't remakes correct now remakes or sequels now
1: now 1999 isn't definitely without sin but here's a here's another uh here's the top 10 from 1999 20 years ago star wars episode one of course that's a sequel six Sense, original film toy story 2 that's a sequel austin powers 2 that's a sequel the matrix original film tarzan that's kind of a remake big daddy original film the mummy a remake runaway bride i actually think that may be a remake as well and then of course blair witch project number 10 um You've got a lot more original movies there and, you know, pretty fabulous, uh, important original films that made a lot of money back then. And now we're looking at, um, you know, one out of 10 films being maybe an original idea in Joker. And we just got finished, you know, (laughs) you know, taking that film to the woodshed.
0: And it's interesting. Toy Story is on both those. Right.
2: (laughs) I um. You know, we—I think that's a good pick, an interesting pick—and we give a lot of crap to the movies that are being made. But you have to—you can't really hold it against Disney. I mean, they're making the movies that people want to go see. I guess. Um, you know, there's i was listening to a podcast and they were kind of looking forward to to 2020 and and the potential disastrous box office numbers that could be in store because you know we're not getting a, a a year full of marvel movies and star wars movies like we have in the past several and are people going to go to the movies so look like i i'm with you like i i would love if the <laughs> the movies that were making the money at the box office were original films or at least interesting sequels um, but it's just it's, it's scary that it's
0: so hard to do unless you're unless your name is is Christopher Nolan or or James Cameron
2: well, and Cameron's just making sequels of his own movie now, so...
0: Right. He's just going to spend the he, rest
2: of his life making avatars.
0: At least he has a track record yeah. in the past. Yeah. Uh,
2: Jeremy. Yes. You're All right, three. so
0: my number three is the... F- the fact that uh, Brad Pitt's heart rate doesn't get above 88 miles an hour when he's falling to his death. And then that's the reason. Yeah, in Ad Astra. And that's the reason they choose to send him on this mission to basically save the planet from his dad.
1: I thought we were doing no fixie spoilers.
0: Oh, (laughs) it won't spoil anything on my list, I'll tell you that much. So, uh, yeah, there's just... That movie had a lot of... um, character development and plot issues that really sort of bothered me I I would also put in there Tommy Lee Jones whole motivation at the end I didn't understand it I don't want to spoil it but I just don't get it I don't get his motivation um, which is pretty critical for that movie to work Uh, it's basically a movie about a guy with big daddy issues um, traveling through space But yeah, if I had to pinpoint one, it's the uh, the reason they chose for Brad Pitt's character to go on this mission.
1: My
2: my heart rate is higher than that doing the podcast right now.
1: Well, it's fixie season. I mean, that's not a fair comparison. That's true.
2: My my heart rate's always up. What is Um, your heart rate, Lee? Actually, right now it's it's only at sixty three. I was just kind of saying that, but
1: wow, that's really good. That's good.
2: Mine's at fifty six though. Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> Chapin's 110. Oh, my God.
1: We should call an ambulance. 172. <laughs> well, that's not
2: terrible. Uh. Um, all right. So my number two, uh, you know, it's if you think about this movie, you actually don't think about 2019 necessarily, but this moment did happen in 2019. Actually, there are two moments here. I had to tie them. Um, but it is the moment when Green Book won Best Picture – uh, tied with, tied with the many moments I had to spend watching it.
0: Yeah, that's a good. Pick. I mean, what with else any, can I say? I mean, this movie. Any chance we get to rag on Green Book? I'm I
2: mean, okay it was, with... the movie wasn't great. I had to watch it, but I, of course, I had to watch it with that horrible audience too. That just loved it. Was that our first of the year? Our first podcast of the no. year? No, no, no. That was... <laughs> um, well, I mean,
1: no, oh no, it was after did, uh, the
2: Oscars, right? Yeah. So that exactly. was in like yeah, end of February or
1: yeah, March. Probably th- our second or third. <laughs> yeah. Is it me?
2: All right. Yeah. Yep. Number two, JP. Okay.
1: My number two was uh, it's already been mentioned, but Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. The entire film.
2: Oh, so I haven't gotten your opinion on this. This is good because, yeah, I mean, I've seen it.
1: I'm hoping to do as I talked to you guys about. Unfortunately, you guys aren't really big fans of Star Wars, which I understand, but I'm going to try to put together with a special guest some Star Wars, a Star Wars podcast to talk about the all I don't know, 11 films now. But man, this movie, um, and it kind of piggybacks up about my last, you know, it's a Disney release, it's one of the seven, um just just a mess just a complete mess and like you can you can i mean maybe i know too much about how that how this film came together which was kind of disastrous um but you kind of can see everything on everything that went wrong on screen and what a what a disappointment especially since i when we talked about our most anticipated of the year um you know way back when back in february of last year i you know i was wondering if this was going to (laughs) be you know participating in the oscars in a significant way and um it most certainly or the fixies is not. yeah or the fixies um you know who cares about the oscars i keep forgetting that um and so yes it it was just it was a, a, a just a mess of a film um who directed this
0: one this one was not ryan johnson J.J. Abrams. abrams.
2: abrams yeah oh okay
1: yeah he was
2: lost he was lost <laughs> uh could tie in there
0: all right, uh, I'm up number yep. two. Okay, he so my number two. He didn't shoot on
1: Super Eight. Oh. <laughs> oh, Whoa, a little, so a little, a little right. bit late Edited to that.
0: But we can, you can <laughs> edit. You're editing it. You could just put that right next to my joke. Uh, All right, my number it's almost two. Almost like it was, was an m-
2: impossible mission for him to pull off. Yep. Oh, f- 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 f-
0: me getting my number two out to an impossible mission. <laughs> I'm just gonna look up a few more J.J. Abrams movies real quick. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna—I'm gonna, I'm gonna it give was, it a pause. It was definitely <laughs> an
1: Armageddon. <laughs>
0: Wait, what? he did Armageddon. Didn't he
1: write Armageddon?
0: Oh, oh, oh really? now we're going into his writing credits?
2: <laughs> oh. Did he, did he really write Armageddon? Oh, he did. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. It's amazing.
1: Okay. Sorry, Jeremy. My, uh were <laughs> uh, Should two. Two. used an
2: alias on that movie. Oh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to think of other uh,
0: the neighbors. titles uh my number two is robert de niro's stomp scene oh that's in great <laughs> the irishman i mentioned it on uh on the podcast of the irishman but yeah it really bothered me and made me sad at the same time because it just was so unthreatening to this this grocer could have been like hey well why are you tickling me <laughs> tell your dad to stop tickling me the pervert um <laughs> Yeah, it just didn't work, and we know De Niro can stomp. He used to be the best stomper, so n- there's no there's no age-related uh, technology that's going to make uh, De Niro ever a good stomper again, and that scene just uh, really, r- really uh, took you out of the movie because you're like, oh, okay, yeah, he may look whatever, 45, 50, but he's moving like an 85-year-old don't, man. I don't think he looks 45 or 50.
2: That's a good pick. All right, my number one. You guys know how much I love this character, um, so I was really disappointed the moment Thanos died
1: in Endgame. <laughs> That's a spoiler. Worst
2: worst movie moment of 2019.
1: <laughs> died unsuccessfully too, right?
2: Yeah, well, he died twice in oh. that movie, so it's terrible. It was hurt hurt twice as much. Uh, but officially, for me, worst movie moment of 2019. I mean. Talk about you know the twenty-something movies in that in that Marvel cinematic universe that supposedly came to an end with Endgame, and they just they had to they had to kill off the best character in all of those movies. I mean, Hor- I'm horrible.
0: glad uh, the Avengers have won. are
2: are are over.
0: Yeah, I mean that would have been a that would have been a hell of a way to go. Um, just keep
2: it with the half.
0: I mean, it just makes the planet better. Right. Half the population, everybody's yeah. thriving.
2: And then you see the sequel or the prequel, the, uh, one child nation. Oh, oh that, <laughs> Political. that has
0: some of the worst of the year. Uh, but I don't want to get into that. That's just depressing. Uh, Chapin, what do you got?
1: Um, so this is the one that's going to give away a little bit of the fixies, uh, here, but it's the, um, the take the, the choice to make 1917, um, appear to be a single take It was very you found that to be
2: the one of the worst moments
1: yes i think that was one of the worst decisions in all and and i should say the to me to me that's anti-directing you know uh um he's winning uh sam mendes is winning all these awards he won the dga award he won i guess that movie won the pga award um seems like
2: yeah is he a golfer uh, <clears throat>
1: producer's, producer's guild oh, you know the well, people the people who sign your checks
2: you could also yeah go ahead
1: and Continue. um it's probably gonna win the oscars i <clears throat> you know it's it'll, it's it'll win a fixie over my fucking dead body but um you know honestly like i
2: figured to give it negative points. he
1: ju- he like literally just made you know you you you, d- you decide to do that and then you essentially take away so many decisions that you can make as a director i mean we know that directing is a series of small minute decisions you know ending up in a sort of cumulative um arc and that's not what this movie is it was one big decision at the beginning and it just limited everything that the camera could do everything that the editing can do acting um, and and I just think that was a total mistake. I would love to see a big budget World War One movie. I think World War One is a an unexplored compared to how how many films we've seen of World War Two. Um, it's a time I'm fascinated with. Um, I listened to this like twelve hour four part podcast about World War One, and it's a fascinating time um, of transition of technology and all that. But um, this movie did not capture that it didn't do anything really for wow me i feel
0: like you feel a lot more strongly now than you did on the
1: podcast well we were trying because to I, save our thoughts for the fixies it, well no well, i think this is no I mean, not necessarily i
2: i look i think this is an interesting conversation i don't know if now's the time to do it because we don't want to get into too much about a movie that that could have um some fixie considerations but i mean that movie lives or dies on that decision, and I think you know you you suggesting that it was the wrong decision means that movie died for you. And I think you know obviously a lot of people feel differently. And I'm not going to get into my thoughts one way or the other right now. But um, I think that's an interesting pick because I you can I mean that was either going to work or it wasn't. Well, we did. All I'm saying is we did have a whole podcast on this movie. I know, but we didn't really get into it. I mean, the, I we, I didn't and, know Chapin felt that never strongly came, about it. Yeah, yeah,
0: it never came. Like I I was pretty. Uh, it was pretty obvious that I really enjoyed that, and I disagree with Chapin. But I, I feel like the the depth of that decision was not really brought up on on our podcast. I guess I, 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 did, I guess is... I didn't
1: realize it. I mean, I think it's a this is a thought I've come to since we've done the did the podcast. But I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how you guys can disagree with me on that. I mean, I think that's one thing you should consider is just that. How limiting that that single choice is right but limiting is not necessarily a
0: bad thing you also have to make decisions around a limiting choice i mean when it's like when you give a director less money i mean limiting doesn't necessarily mean you have to you're 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 making the wrong decision and i I, think
1: i understand that but you have to but i think when you do something like Take away a, a significant portion of a budget or something to that degree, a, a limiting in the sense that your resources are limited. That's one thing because I think that forces you to think even more creatively. But you don't think this, this made forces anti- you to creative. think. It was anti. I think creative. you're.
2: I th- see. I don't know. I think you're simplifying it. I think it. Yeah. I think it's a creative decision to do it that way, and you have to structure y- your movie accordingly. And you have to get what you still need out
0: of it within the confines of that decision you can argue that he wasn't able to accomplish that but i don't think just deciding to make it one shot just automatically makes this movie not work i think it can work with that decision with you know a good collaborative director and team around him because a lot of that decision then limits his choices but doesn't limit others it doesn't limit the the actors it doesn't necessarily limit the cinematographer or the designer or well, it, all these other things.
1: It does limit. Those have limit, to then it elevate. It can't limit
2: Tommen's ability to like get pale as he died in one shot. I don't know how they did that. Maybe in post. They killed, they really killed him. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I thought he died they in the gave his family Thrones, a lot but... of money. <laughs> um all right. I mean, well, I th- it's an
0: interesting it's an interesting uh thought. Jeremy, you're number 1. Uh my number 1 is kind of two parts. It's uh, the fact that, I guess, the paintings killed people in Nightcrawler. (laughs) You
2: mean in uh, Velvet Buzzsaw?
0: I mean, yeah, sorry, in Velvet Buzzsaw and uh, Zaw Ashton's performance in Velvet Buzzsaw.
2: I knew this this movie was going to be on your list.
0: Like... I mean I when I thought of this top 5 she was the first thing that came into my head her performance was just so awful in what was already an awful movie with a weird terrible premise it none of awful. which was... none of which worked So that's yeah
1: the... to go back to I'll put an honorable mention as a, any any thought to film, film a movie on an iPhone when you don't have to that that could go as yeah. honorable mention Yeah High that was bird. an on
0: that was an honorable mention for me, but I didn't know how to narrow that movie down, whether it was shot on an iPhone or the script or what it was. That movie just didn't work in general. Um,
2: all right, your worst movie moments.
1: What's what was yours, Lee?
2: Mine was Thanos dying. Oh right, all right, of course, yeah. That I mean was, that's that was ulti- that's funny.
1: That's, what? Uh, that's the, it-
2: easily the worst moment ever, ever, back <laughs> of the year. <laughs> In in your life, yeah. in your yeah. life
0: personally, <laughs> yeah.
2: uh,
0: Any other honorable mentions? I I have. A I didn't. Point. I only had five. Um, the cats trailer. I was going to put. Oh, I wow. never saw. Yeah, the movie, none of us saw
2: cats. That would have been all of our top fives. Apparently,
0: the trailer itself. I'll, I'll put on it. There was the uh, high flying bird, and maybe the first third of Richard Jewell.
1: Hmm.
2: Interesting.
0: So there you have it. I think that was a fun discussion.
2: I liked it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You guys ganged up But on this me. is
2: it. We're, we're, now, we're now just one more episode away from the Fixies.
1: Wow. Yeah. So, right. and then for everybody for next week, we're going to, what are we doing next week? We're going to do like a disc-
2: So here's, <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. Like, so we want everybody to get uh, their, their audio recordings in. We've got a bunch, yep. but the more we have, the better. Um, Feedback at com. That's where you send them. I think what we're planning on videos. doing, and, I, and guys, I have a way that we can structure it, um, is we're, we were talking about doing a, somewhat of a decade show. The three of us are going to just all together avoid any discussion on 2019 for the next episode. We're not going to discuss it at all. We're going to talk a little bit about the decade. Um, we haven't really done a show like that. We did do our top five of the decade a while back. But we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, maybe some past Fixie winners, some movies that have held up, some movies that haven't. And then what we'd like to do is get your audio recordings of your best of 2019 sprinkled in throughout that podcast. So I think that'd just be a good way to lead us into the, the ultimate final show of the year, uh, the most important movie show of the year. Um, so that's what I'm thinking, guys. I mean, if you're good with that, I think that.
1: Yeah, and I think it might be a, interesting to talk a little bit about the future as well. You know where we see films. Yeah, look going a little bit and,
2: towards yep. You know, in yeah. general, we so to, I think we'll we used have, to do
1: beers podcasts, but you know, yeah, we're not doing. that I think anymore. we'll
2: have we'll have plenty to talk about. Um, how much of that you have to listen to, however, within a you know the course of an hour depends on how many of your audio recordings we receive. I mean, if we get an hour's worth of those, then we'd be happy to. You know, have just play those. To our fans? Of the podcast. I don't know about that, but well, we'll
1: yeah, pick, let's we'll not pick go crazy. Good,
2: we'll pick the good ones. <laughs> we'll pick the ones we agree with. It's just us. Yeah. <laughs> just doing different voices.
0: Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. And like we mentioned before, if you have an audio recording you want us to play of the best of 2019, of your favorite movie, you could even say performances, whatever, Anything. and why. Any uh, opinions. Uh, Anything. Of, of the 2019 movie year, specifically. I don't, you know, we don't want to know your... Because of okay. the coronavirus, yeah. <laughs> um, send it to feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. and that's going to do it. Thanks.
2: I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.